The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. We're so glad to be with you today to all of our New Song Church family, those of you who call New Song Church your home. We're so glad that we can connect with you once again. We had a great Easter last weekend and we miss you. We want you to know we really do miss you. We miss seeing your faces. Uh, we're excited about when this whole thing comes to an end, but it is so good that we can still continue to connect with you through technology. We're grateful for that and for all the people on our team that make this possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And maybe you're tuning in right now and you would say that New Song Church isn't necessarily your church home, uh, but you found this broadcast today. We want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're with us today. And I want to encourage you, if you have a home church, this is a great time for you to continue to support your local church. Continue giving, continue encouraging your pastors, praying for your pastors. Make sure they know and feel that you are for them. Uh, I'm so grateful for our church and how they've given during this time and how they've prayed for for us, and it's allowed us to be who we're called to be during this season, and, and it's cool because our church has been able to, to support people, to give financially to people, uh, to help people in need with resources, and so that's possible because of all of you and the support that you continue to have, so thank you for that and, uh, and for all that you're doing with that. We're starting a brand new series today called From Here to There. And this series, the idea behind it is actually a really simple idea. Um, you are here in whatever place you find yourself in, and, and you want to go somewhere else. You want to go to this other place that maybe you see in Scripture. Maybe you, you have an understanding of some things that maybe God has for you. You haven't attained it yet. And so we're going to talk about how to get from where you are to that place that you see in Scripture that God wants you to be. We've all been to places before. Maybe it was a mall or maybe it was a zoo or maybe it was an airport or an amusement park, whatever it may be. And, and they have those big maps, you know, that you walk up to. And on the map, there's a spot on the map where it says, you are here. And, and that's important because in order for you to get to there, wherever there may be, you have to start by understanding where you are. And so what's great about God's word is God's word allows us and helps us to understand where, we're, where we are, but also guides us to where God wants us to be. And I want you to know right up front this morning that God has a good place for you. In fact, in fact God wants to lead you to better places than you are right now. If you're taking notes, make sure you write that down. God wants to lead you to a better place than maybe where you find yourself right now. And it doesn't matter where you are right now. You know, maybe you're in a bad place right now. Maybe you're in a tough place right now. Maybe right now uh, your, your marriage is, is kind of a nightmare. Maybe right now your, your finances are a wreck. Maybe right now your health, you're struggling in your health. Well, I want you to know if that's where you are today, God has a better place that he wants to take you to. Maybe today you're in a good place. Maybe things are pretty good for you. You know, your marriage is pretty good. Your finances, they're pretty good. Uh, your, your health is, is pretty good. Even if that's where you are today, I want you to know God has a better place for you than where you find yourself today. Look at this verse with me. This is Jeremiah 29 verse 11. God says this. He says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So God's talking here. He says they're plans to prosper you. In other words, he wants to bless you and not to harm you, to give you a future, to give you something to look forward to. And it says, and a 
hope. God wants to take you from here, wherever here is, to there. And there is a place of victory. There is a place of prosperity. There is a place of impact. There, that place God wants to take you to is a place of purpose. God wants to take you from here to there. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 says it like this. It says, I has not seen nor has ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. Okay, so God's saying there's some stuff that he has prepared that's beyond what we can comprehend with our, with our, with our mind. It's beyond anything we've ever seen. It's beyond anything we've ever heard. Now look what it goes on to say here. God has that kind of stuff prepared for those who love him. That word love there, one of the definitions of that word is those who are actively doing what the Lord prefers. So God says this. He says, I've got some stuff for you that is incomprehensible stuff, that, that is beyond what you can imagine. And that stuff is reserved for the people who are actively doing what I'm asking them to do. They're actively pursuing and preferring what I prefer rather than what they prefer. I want you to know God has a better place for you than where you are today. And he wants to lead you from here to there. But in order to get to there, you're gonna have to follow his path. You're gonna have to do things his way. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says it like this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord. Okay, so trust means that we have faith in God. This is talking about being willing to walk by faith. And then it says, and lean not on your own understanding. In other words, here's what that means. It means you've got to get beyond where you, it always has to make sense to you. It always has to make sense to your natural way of thinking, to your natural mind. You can't lean on your understanding because your understanding is limited. So you can't trust in that all the time. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That word acknowledge him means to follow hard after God. Okay, so God's saying here that he's got something good for you to trust him with that, to follow hard after him. And it says, and he will direct your path. He will direct your path to to the blessing he has for you there, to the favor he has for you there, to, to the impact he has for you there. He'll lead you there if you're willing to trust him, if you're willing not to lean on you always having to understand it and acknowledge him, prefer him, follow after him with all your heart. But that's a choice that, that you're going to have to make. It's a choice that's placed before you, but in order to experience it, you're going to have to make that choice yourself. Look, look at this verse with me. This is Deuteronomy 30. And, and in this verse, God gives us kind of like the easiest multiple choice question in, in human history. Check this out. He says this, God says, I set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Okay. So this is like the easiest multiple choice question ever. What do you want? Do you want life and blessing? That's what you got here. Or do you want death and curses? Like this is not a hard decision to make, but I love, I love God because he doesn't just leave even that to chance here. He gives us the answer that he wants us to take. He gives us the path he wants us to take. Look what he says, now choose life so that you and your children may live. So God gives us the easiest multiple choice question in human history. Do you want life or do you want death? And then he gives you the answer to it because he wants you to choose life. He wants you to experience this life, this, this, this there that he has for you. But, but it's sad because a lot of people don't choose it. They still choose the other, the other path. And, and, and why is that? Well, here's why. It's because we're deceived. 
We get deceived. We get deceived into believing this idea that, that there's another path that's better. And, and a lot of times what we actually come to believe is that we have a path and our path is better than God's path. So, so understand this. Actually, you don't have a path. <laughs> there is no you path. There, there's only two paths that God presents to us. There's one that leads to life. That's the God path. And there's one that leads to death, and that's the enemy's path. That's the devil's path. God doesn't say, I place before you God, the God path, the devil's path, and your path. No, no, no. It's, it's God's path or the enemy's path. And listen, if you choose any path that's not God's path, it's the path that leads to death. And it's the path of the devil. And it's, listen, it's the wrong choice. You don't want to make that choice. But we think we know better sometimes. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Proverbs 14, verse 12. It says that there is a way that seems right to a man. Sometimes we, we think this way, our way, is better. There, there's a way that, that it seems right to me. It seems like if I take this path, I can have my there, and I can have it now, and I can have it, it my way. But, but look at what it goes on to say. But it says, but it ends in the way of death. Your path if it's not God's path, listen, it doesn't lead to the things that God has for you. So it's really simple. God has good things for you. And he wants you to understand where you are so he can get you to where he wants to take you. And where he wants to take you is a good place. And he wants to lead you and direct you and get you there. But you're going to have to do things his way. And if you don't follow his path, you won't get to what he has for you. And we all know this. Like, this is just how life works. Like, I am in Edmond, Oklahoma right now. And let's say that I wanted to go to the Chesapeake Arena, where the Oklahoma City Thunder play in downtown Oklahoma City, all right? It, from here to there, there's a path I have to take. There are roads I'm going to have to take. There are exits I'm going to have to take. If I want to get there, I have to follow the path that leads me there, I can't say, well, I just want to pick my own path. I can't say like, well, I want to get there, but I'm going to go, but this is how I want to get there. I want to get on the Will Rogers Turnpike, like I'm going to Tulsa, but I still want to arrive at Chesapeake Arena. Sorry, Charlie, it don't work that way. If you want to get to that place, you have to follow the path that leads you there. And God's way is the only way that will lead you to the life that God has for you. You have to follow God's ways. So, so why is it then that sometimes we don't pick God's ways? It's because we look at God's path and we get nervous that it's going to be too hard, that it's going to be too difficult. And, and we get kind of hung up that like, man, if I, if I do that, that, that's not going to be easy. And Jesus kind of addresses this. Look at this with me. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus says this. He says, enter by the narrow gate. There's a narrow gate. He said, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Remember that word destruction. We're going to come back to that in a minute. And there are many who go in by it. Many people are going down the wide path right now. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, to what God has for you. And there are few who find it. Okay, so Jesus once again here is kind of echoing this idea. There's a path that leads to the there that God has for you, the good things, the blessings, the, the life that God has for you. But that path, it's a, it's a narrow path. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just going to be extremely difficult and, and extremely hard. Really what it's talking about is it's going to take focus, is really what it's talking about. Like for example, 
I'm up here on this, this stage this morning, and, uh, and this stage is a pretty big stage. Like, it's wide. I don't really have to focus real hard right now on moving around on this stage. I, I'm not thinking about every step that I take right now. I can just kind of move around freely because the path is, is wide. But if I was up here and I was having to walk across a balance beam that's just a couple inches wide or, or walk across maybe a tightrope, I'm gonna have to be really focused on each step that I'm, I'm taking. And that's the path that God has for you. It's, it's a narrower path. There's not as, it's not as wide as the path that leads to destruction. And so people hear that and they go, man, that sounds too hard. That sounds like it's gonna be, it's gonna be difficult. And, and so I, I'd rather take this wide path, but what they don't recognize is it's actually not easier at all because the wide path leads to destruction. And destruction, listen, you don't want anything to do with the destruction we're talking about here. That, that word destruction, when it says destruction, here's what that word means. It means a complete loss of anything and everything that is desirable forever. Forever, right? That's what the destruction this is talking about. Now, I wanted to illustrate this for you so that you could really, really get it today and this would be memorable. So, um, in order to do this, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey. You guys down for that? All right, so we're Casey, you're over here. Let's go. We're going to head back here. We're going to talk about this idea of destruction and what it really looks like, what it really means. So follow me, Casey. Come on back. All right. We're getting kind of the behind-the-scenes look. In fact, this is, uh, this is Keith over here. Keith, say hi. Yeah, Keith and, and Haley. They're kind of running things behind the scenes here. These are the people that make this happen, along with Casey, who's, who's running the camera. I don't know if, Casey, you can flip it around. That's Casey. Yeah, there he is. He's running the camera. These are the people behind the scenes that make uh, what you're watching today possible. So I would encourage you, leave a comment. Tell them how much you love them, how grateful you are for them. But that's not why I brought you back here. I brought you back here to see this. Come right over here. This this is what I wanted to show you. This is a Chick-fil-A meal. This is the number one meal from Chick-fil-A. And this is something that, that I desire. This is something that I enjoy. In fact, Chick-fil-A, you know, really, New Song Church, we should be sponsored by Chick-fil-A because we give them quite a bit of props from time to time. But, but this is something I, I get just a desire for sometimes. You know, fast food, I, I, like, I like fast food. But every once in a while, I'll, it'll just hit me like, man, I need a chicken sandwich. And I love this. This is a good, good sandwich. I love my Chick-fil-A sandwich. I get it. I put my Chick-fil-A sauce on it. I got my waffle fries here. I've got a large lemonade here. This lemonade is, is sweet, but it's got the tang to it. So good. Um, so, so we're talking about destruction, right? Let's get back on, on, on track here. Destruction, okay? Destruction means a complete loss of, any, of everything and anything that is desirable forever. So, so here's what that looks like. Let me grab this stuff. We're going to take this right over here to my, my ninja blender. In fact, this is actually Sarah's ninja blender. And, and this is what destruction looks like. If I was to take my Chick-fil-A meal and I was to place it into this blender right here, and you know, you gotta have your sauce, right? Hopefully I can get this open right now. You know what, there we go. We'll just put that in there. This is what destruction looks like. That Chick-fil-A meal has now gone through the process of destruction. It has lost everything about it that makes it desirable. I don't want to drink this. I don't want to eat this. I don't want anything to do with this. This is gross now. Now, at one point, I did. I, I, it's something I desire, but now it's gone through the process of destruction. I don't desire it anymore. And here's the thing. 
I can't get it back to what it once was. There's nothing I can do to take it back to what it once was. Okay, so let's, let's start walking back to the auditorium now. Hey, there's Sarah and Gus, by the way. There's my son, Gus. Sarah, you know her. They're grateful for them. All right, so destruction. This is what destruction is. It's a complete loss of anything and everything that's desirable. And the Bible tells us that wide is the road that leads to that. And that a lot of people are going in that, in that direction. And this is why at New Song Church, we, we talk about helping people know God because, because there's a lot of people that are going in that direction and we don't want them going that direction. So we want to do everything we can to help them understand the path that leads to life that Jesus made a way for them to experience. Okay, so, so how do we stay off that path that leads to destruction? How do we stay focused on the path God has for us? Well, in order to kind of understand that today, we're going to look at the life of Jesus. If you have your Bible, go over to Matthew chapter 4. And at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, in fact, right after he's, he's baptized uh, by John the Baptist, he gets baptized and he comes out of the water. You guys probably remember this story and and, and, the, and the Bible says that there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am, am well pleased. Like right after that happens, the very next thing that happens in scripture is what we're about to read right here. Check this out. Matthew chapter four, verse one, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Okay, so Jesus is on his path. There's a path that God has Jesus on. It's taking him from, from here to there, to, to that place that he is in now where he is seated at the right hand of God with all power and authority. He's on the journey. And right at the beginning of that journey, we see that the enemy comes after him to try to tempt him and knock him off of his, his path. And what the devil does is he comes at him and he runs these temptations against him. And really what they are is they're kind of three major plays that the devil runs against really everybody. I, I want to show you these today because these are the, some of the same things that the devil tries to run against you to knock you off your path. And, and here's the thing about these, these temptations. They're all rooted in the idea of a shortcut, a shortcut. Satan comes to Jesus and he says, I have a way that will get you from here to there and it'll get you there faster. But here's what you need to understand this morning. The shortcut is a sabotage. The shortcut is a sabotage. If you're taking notes, jot that down. Listen, there are no shortcuts from here to where God wants to take you. Now, I do believe this. I do believe there are, there are times when, when we go through tests where God, where we prove how, how committed and how faithful we are to God, where God will advance us through portions of our path a lot quicker and move us down the road to where he wants us to be. I believe that happens, but there's no exiting the path of God and finding another way to get to what God has for you in a quicker way. There, there are no shortcuts, and the shortcut is a sabotage, and the enemy wants to convince you that there are shortcuts. There's things you can do. But, but it'll sabotage what God has for you. You can't take the shortcuts. So, so the enemy comes at Jesus with these shortcuts, these temptations to try to get him off path. I want to show you these three temptations he throws at him, these three shortcuts. The first one is this. It's an appetite shortcut. It's an appetite shortcut. Look at this with me. Matthew chapter 4, the next verse, verse 2 says this. For 40 days and 40 nights... He fasted and became very hungry. Everybody say, very hungry. 
During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. It will prove you are the son of God, he said. So Satan says, you have an appetite for something and and I want to give you a shortcut that will help you to, to have that appetite and you can have that thing that you want you want now. You can get there. You can get from here to there. Here, here's a shortcut. Here's a way. Now understand, Jesus was hungry. Like the Bible says he's hungry. And when it says he's hungry, this wasn't like he was hangry. Like this wasn't like Jesus had missed a meal. You know, he missed his 10 o'clock uh, Nutella bread break or whatever that was that Jesus would have done then. He, it, this was like Jesus is so hungry that his body is now beginning to, 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 to burn muscle and tissue, like he is in the place of starvation. He has an appetite. And, and this, is a, this is actually a very natural appetite. It's natural for us to want food. It, it's a godly thing to have an appetite. Here's what Satan does. He presents to Jesus a way to fulfill a godly appetite through ungodly means. And this is the same thing that the enemy tries to do in your life. He presents these appetites to you that maybe you're a godly appetite, a godly desire, but he tries to get you to fulfill it in ungodly means. And we live in a world today where a lot of times appetites tend to lead. You know, we want what we want and we want it how we want it and we want it when we want it. But, but the problem is when appetites lead, it leads to destruction. Here, here's a question for you this morning. Does the truth of God's word bow to your appetites? Or do your appetites bow to the truth of God's word? That's a good question you need to ask yourself today because Satan, like he did with Jesus, is going to come at you and he's going to present appetites to you. And some of them are desires for things that God wants you to desire, but he wants to get you to, to go after that and pursue that through ungodly means. And it's a shortcut and it's a sabotage that will stop you. And so how does Jesus respond? Well, look at verse four. But Jesus told him, no. Everybody say no. Listen, sometimes you got to tell the devil no. Sometimes you got to tell yourself no. Like you got to say no. But Jesus doesn't just say no. Look at what he goes on to say. He says, for the scripture tells us that, that bread won't feed man's souls. Obedience to every word of God is what we need. Jesus modeled something for us. And here's what it is. Appetites don't lead. Truth leads. Appetites don't lead. Truth is what leads. Maybe this morning you find yourself in a place where you have some appetites. You're a little hungry. And you're not hungry for food. Maybe you're, you're hungry for some significance. Maybe you're hungry for a relationship, a connection with somebody else. The enemy in those moments, sometimes he'll present to you a shortcut to get that. But it's a sabotage. And if you take it, you'll forfeit what God really wants you to have. And what Jesus showed us is, I don't live by my appetite, I live by the word. I don't let my appetite lead, I let truth lead. And you have to make a decision. If you're going to stay on path and avoid the temptations that the enemy would try to throw at you, you have to make that decision that the truth of God's word is what's going to lead the way in my life. Here's the second temptation that the devil throws at him. The second shortcut he throws at him is an approval shortcut. An approval shortcut. Matthew 4, verse 5. Then Satan took him to Jerusalem, to the roof of a temple. Jump off, he said, and prove that you are the Son of God. For the scriptures declared, check this out, Satan is quoting scripture. Now, he doesn't quote it right. 
Because he can't, because the word of God is truth and the Satan is a liar. So he twists it. He says, God will send his angels to keep you from harm. They will prevent you from smashing on the rocks below. It says, verse seven, Jesus retorted. It also says, not to put the Lord your God to a foolish test. Okay, so here's what Satan does. Satan asks Jesus to stage a miracle in order to win the approval of people. Satan comes to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. I know that, you know that, but they don't know that. So here's what you do. You jump off this cliff and the angels will come and they'll, they'll save you and everybody will see it. And then they'll know, they'll, they'll know you're not just the carpenter's son, you're the Messiah. They will know beyond a shadow of a doubt who you actually are. And you won't have to go through all this garbage you're going to have to go through for the next three years dealing with ungrateful people and all, all, you know, dealing with, dealing with these, these Pharisees who are going to be jerks and, and, and having to heal people that are sick and, and, and disciples who don't always get it all the time. You won't have to deal with any of that. Here's a shortcut to get you to where it is that you're going and you can have it right here and right now. This is what Satan offers. And you know, we all want approval. Like that's a very natural thing to, to want to have the approval of other people and to want to have acceptance and, and even get the applause sometimes of other people. But Jesus was over, a, able to overcome this temptation. And here's why. Because Jesus knew he already had the approval of the one that really mattered. Remember when Jesus came out of the water after he's baptized? And God says in a voice from heaven, he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In that moment, Jesus got a word from his father, a word from God that said, I already approve of you. I approve of you right where you are. And because Jesus understood he already had the approval of the one that really mattered, he didn't chase after the approval of people who didn't really matter. He understood that. And he rooted his life in that. And, and this is important for us to understand because, because here's a truth that, that we can not always see, but it really is truth. Where you seek approval is also where you give your allegiance and, and sometimes we give our allegiance, we give our, our life over to the approval and the applause that we're trying to get from other people. We try to shortcut our way into other people's approval and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help you. I want you to know today, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've accepted Jesus as your, as your Lord, then, then you're a child of God. And what God said to Jesus, he says to you today. He looks down at you and he says, he says, this is my beloved son, or this is my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. And you need to really come to believe that. You need to root your life in that, because if you get rooted in that, you'll quit chasing after the applause and the approval of other people. In fact, say this with me right now. Say, I am a child of God. I have God's approval. If you, if you chase approval of people, I'm just telling you, it's going to lead you to places you don't want to go. You're going to end up not saying a word when you should have spoke up. You're going to end up falling into temptations that you shouldn't be falling for. You're, you're, going, to, you're going to not walk away when you should have. You're going, to, you're going to end up trying to chase after some boss's 
approval and in the, and in the meantime, sacrifice your marriage and sacrifice the, the connection God wants you to have with your children. If you chase after the wrong approval, it will lead to destruction because Jesus knew he had the approval of God. He didn't chase after the approval of man because he knew this. He knew he wanted to stay on God's path because if he stayed on God's path, he could be positioned in a place where we could seek and receive the same kind of approval that he had from his father through him. I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't fall for the shortcut of approval. Here's the third thing that Jesus uh, is able to overcome. The third test, the third temptation that the devil throws at him, the third shortcut is this. It's a timing shortcut. It's a timing shortcut. Look at this with me. Matthew 4, verse 8. Next, Satan took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him the nations of the world and all their glory. He says, I'll give it all to you. If you will kneel down and worship me. And understand, this is a very real offer that Satan is giving him. Because, because the authority of this world through sin had been handed over by Adam and Eve to the devil. This is a real offer he's placing before God. But look at how Jesus responds. He says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, the scriptures say, worship only the Lord God. Obey only him. Jesus, God, or Satan says, I'll give you authority. I'll give you power if you just simply go down my path. Now, what's interesting about this one is, if you really think about it, um, this does, it seems like it's not even a temptation to God, to, to Jesus. Like, so if you remember, when Jesus uh, was first conceived in the womb of Mary, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, and he begins to tell her about this child that she's going to give birth to, and, and what he's going to do, and one of the statements that, that he says to her about Jesus is he will bring all nations under his authority. In other words, that every nation will come under his power. The Bible tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Every knee, like bird's knees and bunny's knees and <laughs> every knee, human, animal, every is going to declare at some point that Jesus is Lord. That is going to happen. So how is this like even a temptation to Jesus. Here's how it's a temptation. Because what Satan offers him is that now. There's the temptation. The temptation is not trusting God's timing, but is trying to find another way to get to that, but have it in the now. You know, timing is important in life. Like there's a saying you may have heard before, people say timing is everything. And in a way, it really is. Timing is so important. Like the, the difference between, you know, in food, timing is important. The difference between a, a juicy hamburger being a raw piece of meat or like tasting like a boot, <laughs> it has to do with timing, how long it's cooked. Timing is important in medicine. And when you discover a disease or a sickness and how you treat it and how quickly you, you discover it means a lot to how you recover from it. Timing is important in, in money and finances. You know, when you invest in a stock, when you invest in a, in a home or a market could, could make the difference between making a lot of money and losing a lot of money. And timing is important in the path that God has you on too. We, we have a saying around here at New Song Church. We say this, we say, God's will outside of his timing is no longer God's will. See, God has a will for your life and he has a timing for your life. And those two have to be in agreement together. 
For example, uh, it was God's will for us to plant New Song Church, and it was God's timing for us to plant it in 2015. Had we tried to plant New Song Church in 2008, we would have been outside of the timing of God, so we would have been out of the will of God, and we wouldn't have had the support of God. And what we see in the life of Jesus is he had a, a... a really unique understanding of the timing of God. You, you see over and over again in scripture, Jesus making statements like, my time has not yet come. Jesus had a unique understanding because he understood the word and he was connected to his father in relationship. So he understood how to walk in the timing of God as he walked along the path. So when Satan comes to him and offers him this way of, of fast forwarding and trying to fast track or shortcut his way to what God actually has for him, he was able to resist it and he was able to stay on path. And church, I'm so grateful that he did because realize this, had, had Jesus fallen for any of these temptations, in the moment that he, he did any of these things Satan was offering him, in that moment, he would have sinned. He would have been out of the will of God. And at that point, he can no longer be the spotless lamb of God to come and to die for our sins. We're saved today because Jesus overcame temptation and stayed on his path. And listen, the key that we see in this to him overcoming is the word of God in his life. Every time he resists, he resists through the word of God. Jesus had a unique understanding of the word. And and notice, like we don't see anywhere in scripture that like when Satan comes at him, Jesus is like trying to find in the scrolls like where it says these things. He just knew it. It was in him. And so it directed his path. The Bible says this in Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word, that's talking about the Bible, the word of God, It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. Okay, so here's what that means. It's it's a lamp to my feet. It shows me where I currently am. The word of God has the ability in your life to be that, that you are here spot on the map. It helps us to see where we are because in order for us to get to where we wanna go, we have to start by recognizing where we currently are. Through the word of God, I'm able to get an understanding of where I stand And I'm able to align where I stand up with what the word of God and its standards are for my life. Through the word of God, I can come to to recognize the standard God has for me when it comes to my health, the standard God has for me when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to my my, my mindset, my attitudes. I can can understand what the word wants me to be and where it wants me to be so I can see from where I am what I'm going to need to do to get to where I need to go. So first of all, it helps me see where I am, but it's not just a lamp to my feet, it's also a light to my path. Here's what that means. It shows me where to go. The word of God helps me to see the path, the clear path needed in order to get to the place God wants me to be. Through the word of God, I I can understand uh, where I need to be when it comes to my joy. And if my joy is not where it should be, then I, I can see through the word a clear path that will lead me to the joy of the Lord, which can be my strength. Through the word of God, I can, uh, through the word of God, I can see where I am when it comes to sin. And so I can see a clear path in the word that will help me to walk in freedom and overcome the sin that's overcoming me. It's through the word of God. The more I know the word, the more clear this path becomes. 
Proverbs 4.18 says it like this, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The more you follow God's path through the word of God, the more clear that path becomes. It's kind of like this, this maze I've got here. Uh, this maze, you know, it, it's good to know where you're at and it's good to know where you want to go. It's good to know where, you're, where, where you currently are, where you're here is. And it's good to know where you're there is but what's even more important is knowing how to get there. Because, you know, there's a lot of options and how to get from here to there that, that are presented to us. Here's what the Word of God becomes. It becomes that clear path. It becomes that line that, that's, that's there that we can follow. Once we know that, then we know where to turn. We know how to turn. We know how to follow God to get to where it is He wants us to go. I want you to know this morning, God has a better place for you. Maybe today you find yourself in a, in a place where you're here right now as a place of sickness. Well, God wants to show you the path that's going to lead you to being, to being free from that sickness, to being healed, spirit, soul, and body healed. Not only so you're healed, but so other people through your life can be healed as well. God, maybe, maybe today you're in a place where you're, you're kind of dealing with some poverty. God wants to take you on a path that's going to lead you to the blessing that he has for you and the blessing he wants to funnel through you. God doesn't want to just bless you. He wants to bless you so that he can bless through you. Maybe today you find yourself in a place where you're bound by some stuff. God wants to lead you on a path where you get to a place of freedom, where those things that, that were stopping you and hurting you, the past, whatever it may be, you overcome those things. God has a clear path for you, but if you're gonna walk it, you gotta choose to walk it. You gotta choose life. You gotta choose to say, I'm gonna follow God's way. And I don't care where you are today. I don't care what your current here situation looks like. God has a there for you. And it's a great, great place. And over the next several weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of those there's that God wants to take you to. And we're going to help you see through the word of God, some of the path that God has carved out that will help you to get you from here to there. It may not always feel easy. It's going to take some focus. It's going to take some attention, but it's so worth it because the path of God leads to life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? I would encourage you to take a moment right now and, and, and maybe, maybe it's in the comments, maybe it's just in your notes there, but write down what you feel like God is saying to you today and, and then just go to the Lord this week and pray about that and ask God, hey, God, show me what to do. What steps do I need to begin to take right now? Where, where am I right now, Lord? And where do you want me to go? What's the next step? See, God doesn't show you exactly the, the, the very end all the time, but he shows you the next step. That's, that may be where you're at right now. What's the next step that God wants you to take? And then I just encourage you, obey whatever it is that God is saying to you. Maybe for you today, that next step is entering into a relationship with God. Maybe the next step for you is, is choosing to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You, you, maybe you're, you're watching this today and you know that you're not where you need to be with God and you want to get right with God. Well, if that's, if that's true for you, I want to help you with that. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And if you, if you confess this prayer with your mouth and you believe it in your heart, the Bible says that you'll be saved. You'll be born again. That your past gets erased. God has a new life, a new hope, a new future for you. So if that's you, Wherever you are, I'm going to pray here. I want you to pray right there, and God's going to do a miracle in your life. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I believe 
that he rose to new life so I could be raised to new life through him. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you my life. I give you my all, my past, my present, my future. I hand it all over to you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.